He was twelve years old and crouching by the door in his father's old uniform that was too big. The hems of his pants kept slipping under the soles of his beaten-up boots, and he carefully adjusted them back each time so they wouldn't get dirty. Sorry, I just can't sleep. Sash turned his head toward the whisper. It was hard to see anything in the dim room. He didn't relax from his position, but he did allow his shoulders to slump a little from their tense guard. Are you worried? About her? He didn't need to ask, but he did anyway. Sheets rustled, and then a lamp flickered on. Lark's tousled hair and wide eyes flickered in the feeble light. He gave a short nod, and tears started welling up in his eyes. Sash turned his focus back to the closed bedroom door to give him the chance to wipe them away. Lark would protest that he was too old to cry, but Sash knew better. No one was too old for tears. That was something his mother had told him when the messenger came to their door with news that his father wasn't coming home from the war. Don't worry, Lark, he said in all the authority he could muster. He stumbled when he turned around and tripped on the hem of his pants, which slightly lessened the effect, but he pretended it didn't happen. She's strong, you know. She fought all those soldiers down south and won. Don't you remember? When the man came to tell us, he wouldn't lie, right? Right. Lark sniffed and drew a grubby sleeve over his face. Maybe she'll come home today. Do you think so, Sash? He shifted back. Eyes on the door. Don't relax your guard. Sure, she might. She'll want you to be in bed, though. At the nudge, Lark nodded rapidly and dove back under his covers. After a few seconds, he popped back up to blow out the lantern. The room plunged into soft darkness once more. Sash could hear the other boy trying to lie perfectly still and smothered his smile. Focus on the door. Don't let the enemy in. He held a sword ready at his side. Granted, it was a hand-me-down that he never had to use before. There was nothing for a long time. Lark's breathing evened. Then, footsteps flew down the hall. Raised voices. Murmurs rising from outside. Sash crept forward. Was it an enemy invader? Was this the day they would finally get past the castle's defenses and come for the vulnerable prince? No matter who it was, he would make sure Lark would be safe. He raised his sword. The door flew open. His blade thunked into the wooden doorframe since whoever opened the door had leaped back just in time. Lark shot up straight in his bed his eyes, heavy with sleep and worry, grew large. Mother! He threw back the covers and launched himself at the queen standing in the doorway. 
she laughed and swung him around, then set him back on the ground. Sash had dropped the sword and bowed low, a flush of mortification already lighting him up. But she just helped him up and clapped a hand on his shoulder. Thank you for taking care of my son, she had said. I couldn't be there for him when I was away. I couldn't be there for him when I was away, but I am thankful that he has such a loyal friend like you by his side. Keep close to him, won't you? Sash smiled now, feeling a bittersweet smile cross his face. I love the queen as much as you do, he sighed, and I will fight until my last breath to serve her. But one day she will be gone for good. It will be your turn then. He placed his fist over his heart and let the tears fall. It's okay to cry, my son. Your tears show you have loved, and will love again. It does you no good to sacrifice yourself, Lark. My duty is to protect you, and I will do that. Even if you don't like it, even at the cost of myself. Lark had tears running down the scales on his face too. No, who is this fool now, Sash? Don't be a hypocrite and sacrifice your idiotic self, and don't spout that rubbish about you being less important either. I've never believed that, and my mother hasn't either. Don't spit on her image that way. That's fair. Sash let out a huff of laughter and thought for a moment. Then what if we both do it? Chapter Five, The Queen. She was asleep, but she was restless. Consciousness evaded her grasp. On some level. She felt she had been under for much longer than she should have been, but nothing was certain in the foggy haze. She felt cold. In the darkness, it seemed every part of her was so cold. Once in a while, streaks of warmth would envelop her hands or forehead, but they always vanished a while after. Was she in a coma somewhere? Was this what being fatally injured felt like? No matter how hard she tried to breach the surface, the haze pressed her back down. Then voices rose. Faintly, she could hear someone speak close to her, and then her left hand was warm, then cold again. Then, after an eternity. Her eyes fluttered open to the ceiling of a dim bedroom. Chapter Six. Lark gasped as he returned to reality. Sash still held his wrist, and in the back of his mind, he registered the sheen of scales running up his friend's forearm. His focus, however, was on the woman who was stirring on the bed. He pulled away from Sasha's limp grip, and crouched down to bed level to watch her slow awakening. The remaining petal was carelessly brushed off the blanket, 
and fluttered somewhere on the floor. Sash was right next to him in a heartbeat. They watched as the queen's breathing evened out, and slowly strengthened, and warmth bled back into her face. She drew her brows together in her sleep, and then opened her eyes with a yawn. Lark reached over and squeezed her hand. Mother. The queen blinked slowly, once, twice. Then she sat up and started pulling off the covers, despite his and Lark's protests for her to stay down. Wasn't I at the ball? She said over them. I must return at once. The governor of the orchard village near the western border was to speak to me about this year's harvest. She put her two feet on the wooden floor and stood, stretching her arms over her head. Goodness, I feel as if I've been napping for ages. Now, just what are you silly boys doing? The governor left three days ago, mother, Lark said gently, while physically holding her back from marching out of the room. Your Majesty, please stay seated, Sash pleaded. As he bodily barred the doorway, you have just recovered from a dangerous spell, and may not be fully back to health. I what? They ended up convincing the queen to sit in a chair, as they explained what happened in the last three days, as well as why her son and his best friend turned bodyguard suddenly has scales on their faces. I have a feeling it's permanent," Sash remarked, feeling the ridges and smooth patches on the side of his cheek. We will have to make do. Lark straightened up from where he was by the queen's side. It was a small price to pay," he declared, "and I would gladly pay it again a hundred more times. No, you will not." Sash and the queen scolded in unison. Sash glanced at her and dropped his gaze, quickly adding, "I apologize, Your Majesty. I was not implying." "Hush, Sash. I agree with you," the queen interrupted. "My son should not be throwing his life away for an old woman like me. Now, don't you start, boys. I am old." Lark. This kingdom will be under your care soon. What do I always tell you is the first step of taking care of others. You must take care of yourself first," he sighed. "That's right, but I do appreciate both of you doing so much, and are putting yourself in danger for this. But then, that brings us to another topic." Her expression darkened. Those magical flowers are dangerous. Mark my words, they do not belong in the hands of mortals. Does anyone else know about their existence? Did you bring any with you? No one else knows, and we just have this. He turned his hopeful gaze on the queen. But mother, are you sure we shouldn't keep it? It's so powerful. We could do a lot with it. Sash reached over and took the petal, dropping it into the fireplace. It let out a few green sparks, and then disintegrated into ash.
And that was that. Chapter Seven. After dozens of well-wishers came to see the newly revived queen, from guards to cooks to even a merchant who'd been passing by, Sash declared visiting hours closed. Her Majesty still needed her peace and quiet, no matter how much she claimed she was feeling just fine, and needed to make up her work from the past few days. After politely showing the last person out the door, he pulled Lark aside. "Are you really all right? It's been a horrible few days, but for you especially, you don't need to act like everything's fine." Lark laughed a pitch higher than his usual voice. "Well, that's good because I'm still not very fine, but everything turned out well for us, except for." Accidental body modifications, I suppose, and we still don't know who tried to assassinate the queen. That's correct, Sash replied. He straightened up and held out a hand. And that's a problem to discuss another day. You know what would make you feel better? Setting a hill on fire. Setting a what? Oh, oh, I see. I suppose that's fine. As Sash walked through the gates and out into the brightening sky, he thought the scales speckled over Lark's face shined with a sheen like teardrops. Perhaps his friend was right about one thing. He thought, perhaps it really was worth it, in a way, to bear these permanent marks. In that way. His own olive green scales and curved talons were proof that they survived this. Lark's now thin, narrow pupils would be a daily reminder that he'd saved his mother. Of course, they were also a daily reminder of his reckless decision, but he'd have to live with that too. Either way. Sash held up an arm and watched the first ray of light reflect off. It was dazzling, just like the laugh of a mother reunited with her son was dazzling, like a promise made so long ago. Perhaps he thought, the color green wasn't so horrible after all. The end. Thank you for listening to Sensevieria. I hope this story brought a smile to your face.